Welcome to the Dad Bod Pod, episode 12. We have repeat guest Caleb Fleming. Welcome, Caleb. Thank you. Uh, might be a little bit of a shock to our listeners. Not not Sumner, not Cody. I am neither. You haven't done stand-up yet, so we might be prefacing with a lot of disappointment. Fair enough. <laughs> but there's also been a lot of clamoring for another Caleb's Corner. So I think this is something that the people do want. They just might not have known how much they wanted it. So two things. Let's talk about stand-up really briefly. Because I was all ready to go earlier this week, I think it was. And the popular vote of the league was to move it. And December is a busy month. So we're still trying to lock down a date. It's still going to happen, maybe. We'll go from there. (laughs) That's not... I think that this is on... This is everyone's fault but my own. I think we can all agree on that. And secondly, I am excited to be back with another Caleb's Corner. Um, I have mostly been using the GroupMe as a vehicle for insights, um, but with how popular the GroupMe has become, I don't feel like it gets the attention that it deserves. So I think that these pod visits need to be the real opportunity for me to just lay down these heavy-hitting insights on how many messages Seth has sent in the GroupMe. Stuff like that just matters to people. People need to know. Has to be done. So as we start to talk about the playoffs, we had coming into this last week of the season, I think nine teams with a technical chance of still making the playoffs. Are you including the teams that had already automatically qualified? Those are automatically qualified, and then I think there's four teams, if you count me, maybe five, that are still kind of fighting it out for those last... So there are three teams, so Seth, Steven, and myself have clinched. Yep. And then there are six teams that are still technically alive this week. I think Drew, Zach, and Trey are the only teams that are mathematically eliminated at this point. So going into this week, we have six teams that still have a chance. Some of those chances are slim. You are in that category. Very slim. But it's a chance. I think I saw a projection model that gave me a 94% chance of not making the playoffs based on record and then a 6% chance of not making the playoffs based off of a tiebreaker. So let's talk about that chart, because I think that chart's probably even more optimistic than the 94% chance of you being out. Or sorry, it's less optimistic than that. So the chart that I sent over in the group me, um, it's, a, it's a grid. It basically has in your rows um, numbers of outcomes, and then each column represents an individual uh, and really, this it doesn't take into consideration team talent or matchups or anything like that at all. So you can't look at it and say, for example, Jamie has a, a 94% chance of being out. What it's really doing is I put together all of the potential outcomes this weekend, uh, ties excluded, Matt McNichol. But ultimately, there are 32 possible scenarios that could happen, which would include like you winning, Matt losing, Cody losing, Travis winning, etc., all the way down until every combination or permutation is met um, and played out all of those scenarios. And what we find is that these are, um, it's basically the ratio of number of times that you made the playoffs in those scenarios against the number of times that you didn't. So in no scenario do you make it into the playoffs without the tiebreaker rule, which makes sense. You already know that. Yep. Um, in 6% of the scenarios, you're eliminated from the playoffs, but only because you don't have enough points. 
So that would tell me, uh, for you specifically, Jamie, that if you were to win this week by, let's say, a million, uh, that would probably flip, and you you had a chance of getting in on the tiebreaker, assuming that what happens in those scenarios actually holds true. So that scenario consists of like six different game outcomes. So you need all of those outcomes to go your way, and you need a million points. Yeah. So that's kind of the basic, sort of a rundown of what the chart looks like. Just a, in doing a quick summary, it looks like um, Cody, Sean, and Matt have the best chances of making it in. Sorry, Robert is in there too. Robert has a very good chance of making it in. So I think that if we were to rank these, so three of these teams will make it in, three will not. Something I thought was interesting is that one of these teams that has a chance going into the last week of making the playoffs is not even going to get a buy in the consolation bracket. So one of these teams is going to be looking at dragging their feet for stand-up for a year, like I've done. They're going to be right with me. Right. So watch your words, guys. And in all honesty, that's what I'm, I'm playing for that Could consolation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm play- that's, that's like my high hope is that I, I don't make the playoffs, I make the consolation buy, which is, I think, a little more realistic than right. all those games going my way and beating Sean by 95 points. So right now, the most likely scenario that I can tell is that Robert makes it in, that Matt makes it in with a tiebreaker, that Sean makes it in with a tiebreaker, and that Cody is out because of the tiebreaker. Um, and then you, Travis, and Cody will fight for those consolation buys. They'll sort of shake out based on points. Um, but yeah, I thought this was an interesting way to look at it. It was not terribly difficult to put together and is something that is potentially refreshable um, as we start to think about the league 2019. Um, these kinds of things, regular basis. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting to see that. Uh, like you said, I think... It was a little bit more optimistic than my real-life outlook is, Um, and it wasn't that optimistic to begin with. But you said that analysis, basically it was reducing every game down to a coin flip Mm -hmm. and then putting together all those combinations to see what the outcome was. Last night we had the Thursday night games, Cowboys versus Saints, and the Saints did not do great in that game, so... Ezekiel Elliott scores a touchdown, so Matt gets off to a pretty decent start, um, giving him a little bit of an edge in our matchup. Sean, really rough game. He's now favored to lose against he has Trey. The entire Saints roster minus the quarterback. That yeah, I have. you had Drew Brees making you a little bit of an underdog against Travis at this point. So, do any of the results last night influence your predictions of of where people land? I mean, I think that it definitely, it hurts Sean's chances um, and probably helps Travis's a little bit, but that that hope is still pretty, still pretty, pretty thin slim. with the help that is kind of needed. I think that really your matchup is big. Um, ultimately, I guess one way to think about it is that with, with Matt, Robert, and Cody, or sorry, Matt, Robert, and Sean being the, the teams most likely to get in, those are sort of the ones that you need to see results against. Um, so Sean starting off with that Saints debacle last night I think hurts his chances and, and might open the door for one of those other three teams um, yourself loosely included uh, to maybe sneak back in I think honestly it probably bodes the best for Cody who's has pretty strong chances already relatively 
um, but is is still on the outside looking in. And the other thing to kind of take into account here, uh, trade deadline on Tuesday. And there was a little bit of a flurry of last-second moves. There were three trades, two I would put in the blockbuster category of trading. Premium talent. Uh, Steven pretty much bought Todd Gurley insurance. So that that move wasn't as big, but still a move. Uh, is, you, is Gurley going to be good to go this Sunday? He had a minor ankle injury last week, right? Yeah, I think he was a little banged up. I haven't heard about him being out, so I'm okay. assuming he's playing, but I don't have him on any teams, so haven't really been following his situation too closely. Um, but like you said, you've locked down a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Some people still fighting for those playoff spots. Just did any of those moves jump out to you of either potential playoff matchups, people are looking a little bit scarier now, or... I think that it's kind of interesting with the trade deadline being so late. It sort of it affords these teams the opportunity to do one of two things. One is to make that last push in this final week to actually make the playoffs. But we also have people that are like Steven, for example, that are kind of gearing up for a stretch run and thinking, you know, if, if Gurley goes down, he basically has this like plug and play value. It won't obviously be as good, but it's someone that'll be pretty serviceable, probably better than most of my running backs. So yeah, or even if. Gurley just gets rested right, in, exactly. in championship week or something Which like is that. Not, I wouldn't say that's unlikely at yeah. this point with how close they are. Um, the other thing I want to say about the, these trades, I think it was really hard to follow in the group name. So admittedly, I don't know. I know some of the players that were involved in these, some players that switched teams. Um, but I, I think that Travis should have sent an email to each of us individually with the specific players that were being traded so that we could track. And it just feels like an oversight. Would you agree? It's interesting because in previous years, email was our method of communication. Mm-hmm. And I know Sean at least still sees trade alerts and things, roster moves come through on email. You have those but disabled though? Is that what you're saying? I It goes to some really old email account that I never look at anymore. So I, I don't even pay attention to yahoo notifications through email but you know it's it's just it's kind of a forgotten medium but now that you say that the group me does have a lot of engagement but not too much not every (laughs) i don't even think that's up for debate um but yeah maybe an email just saying hey this is a trade that's going through maybe you should have called each of us should get our thoughts on it um I Do you think, think that maybe next year we need an app that we could consolidate all of this into? I think so. It's like Boomerang or... I don't know what that is. I, it sounded like an app. So <laughs> oh, that's just, the name I of just, your app? I just went for it. Zach, don't, doesn't your... Zach's not really on the phone right now, so I can't ask him this in real time. But Zach, maybe you could edit in a plug for Vigit here in your app development practice. We can pause for a, a station sponsor. Yeah, we'll give you a 30-second mid-roll read here Vigit you do life we do apps Vigit Zach's gonna love editing that <laughs> total waste he's like I, I could have just done that you guys didn't have to stop talking um what were we talking about we we're talking about trades does Travis need to email trades and the implications on the playoffs yeah so basically is is it an oversight on Travis's part 
none of us told him to email all of us, so I think we're all a little bit culpable there. Uh, but yeah, I think for the people that were a little bit unaware of the trades that were happening, and if they wanted to bring in that veto hammer, uh, I, I think an email just wrapping up all, all the moves when they happened probably would be the way to go next year. We formally voted to extend the trade deadline, right? In the group me. Okay. So as a, a... Treyco might want to come on the show and talk about this, because... Right. I was going to say, as a, a faithful pod hoster, uh, do you... What have your thoughts been on the extension of the deadline? You've benefited from it. Yeah, so I, I took advantage of it with, you know, a 10 p.m. trade two hours before the deadline. Um, and I, I thought there was a reasonable argument for it with all the way up to the end of bye weeks. Um, so yeah, I, I was pretty indifferent about it. Um, and I was like, if we, we want to open this up, I'm okay with it. But I didn't really have a strong opinion one way or the other. So this is, I have a, a quick note, and this is targeted at Steven specifically. So one of the, one of the counterpoints to the anti-loaner trade argument was that Yahoo lets you do it. So we should be able to do it. And I I think, I mean, that's certainly a bit of a straw man. That wasn't precisely what he said, but I'm on the pod and you're not, Stephen. So there it is. Um, but I thought that that logic is interesting because he later proposed that the trade deadline be exp- extended beyond what Yahoo will allow you to do in their interface. And so at this point, we do have a mix now of rules that are within the, the scope of what Yahoo lets you do, and at least one rule now, maybe just one rule, that is outside of that as well. So I don't think that we can use the, like, Yahoo allows it as an option argument in the loaner trade discussion. Yeah, and I'm not entirely sure, but I think Stephen's point was that it was allowed within what our league voted on. Like, there's nothing in the league rules that prohibited it. Not necessarily Yahoo's standard rules or what's even allowed in the platform. I was under the impression that both points have been made. Okay. Though, I, I actually, I agree. I do think that this is a great change, that having the trade deadline after bye weeks is, is a good idea, even if, um, as I understand it, a, a core purpose of this was to... <laughs> enable the success of loaner of trades, trades for, for a longer <laughs> so time period. I understand the irony in that. Right. But I, I do think that this was a good move. And to sort of soften the the harshness with which I put <laughs> Stephen on this, um, because I, I, I sort of feel like he and I have been the main combatants on this on the specific loaner trade issue. Um, I think that I want to make it clear that he and I are 100% aligned on it just needing to be something that is voted on by the league that uh, it's poten- It's certainly possible that this is just a difference of opinion that uh, should be voted on, and and we can respect that and move on. Yeah, I I completely agree. The loner trade started happening, and I just got the feeling like, ugh, I hate this. I don't mm. like it. I like the league better without it. But from a personal standpoint, I was like, hey, if these are the rules that we're playing by this year, if you know we didn't put anything in to prohibit this beforehand you know i can adjust my strategy to like take advantage of this throughout the rest of the year but it it kind of became a more contentious issue mm-hmm. than i was thinking it would be and I, there was no point where i was like uh, is it really worth it is it not but 
Um, I think just getting clarity next year of like, hey, is this going to be something that we have to factor into our strategy and, you know, kind of adjust accordingly for, or, um, you know, is this something that we don't want as part of the league? And I think that's a good place to go with that one too. Agreed. So we mentioned the group me a couple times in there. It's a big part of our culture. It's a big part of our culture. We probably talk too much in it, but we don't talk enough outside of it about it. <laughs> right. So let's do that. Yeah, so one of the... I, I'm hesitant here because I think that Seth has started to feel self-conscious about hearing the number of messages that he's sent revealed in this public forum. Ooh. But I think that as a service to the league, we have to do it anyway. Right. With the understanding, or with the sort of the underlying thought being that Seth, you have enriched all of our lives so much in this group me that your 4,000 posts should be a badge of honor, not anything to feel shame about. Not even a little bit. So with that, I've pulled a number of stats on the group me where where it stood yesterday evening. So it's, it's currently Friday at 8 a.m., November 30th, and I pulled all of these basically 12 hours ago. So there was some chatter last night about the game and about Drew Brees' career being over, Sean's season being done, etc. Uh, none of that is considered. I don't think that will materially change. Uh, but what I wanted to go over first, we'll start with, is the, the total number of messages sent. Uh, we have two big milestones that are about to be hit. Seth is about to send his 3,000th message, which is not quite twice the runner-up. It was previously, so people are catching up. Travis is at 1,600. And to define the new echo chamber, I think we can look at what seems fair, the top six of basically the top 50% of the league. So in order, it's Seth, Travis, Caleb, Jamie, Matt, Zach. An honorable mention goes to Sean, who is in eighth place in the group me, but didn't have it for half the season also. So I I think that... um, it's fair to say that he's probably underrepresented in this. The other milestone, so in addition to Seth being about to hit 3,000, is that whenever Sumner sends his next message, it will be his 10th. And there's more to come on Sumner's participation (laughs) in another group message, but um, I want everyone to keep that in mind, that this is going to be double digits for Sumner when it happens. Yeah, that's a big milestone, 12 likes, make it happen. And Stephen, who I think originally maybe was on the fringe of the echo chamber, is now third to last in this participation. So he's sent um, about 10% of the messages that Seth has. And, I mean, it's still significantly more than Cody. He's only sent 62 all year. Um, But still, Stephen, is it something we said? Right, yeah. Expecting a little more. The next thing that I wanted to look at was the the number of posts liked by individuals. So I think the seeing the seeing that heart illuminated on your post just feels kind of good. Um, and I think that we all deserve to, th- or we all should thank Seth because he leads in this category as well. Uh, he has liked thirty five hundred messages, uh, none of which were his own. I didn't check that. That's speculative, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't do that. Um, And then the the second most is Matt. And this is going to be really interesting because, or this is interesting because Matt um, 
has the least number of posts liked himself. Whoa. So Matt is giving out all of this love and just receiving very little. Very little in return. Um, The other thing, this is, I think that I might need to adjust my own group me posture because despite having the third most messages sent, I have liked the third fewest messages. So if you want to get a like on a post from me, you have to make it worth my while. I'm not just giving those out. I mean, I think I've had a few that were worth your like, definitely earned it, and, and still blew past still it. didn't receive it. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems in character. I may be talking about my niece's adoption. <laughs> Apparently, Caleb doesn't appreciate children. There are a couple of those really popular ones that I, I think I've ignored, and I, I'm not sure why. Maybe I'll, I'll go back and read through all of them. And do, do some likes today. Submit some likes. Um, the next thing is this is this is called relationships. So we looked at each person that has sent a message and each person that has liked that message, and then did some aggregations to see how people are interacting with specific other people. Um, and so it's it's a, a it's a ratio the number of basically posts to likes, but it's at that individual level. Um, and so what I found is that Seth has liked fifty five percent of Robert's posts. I think that's interesting. I think Robert generally contributes some pretty good content. He he doesn't spam messages out like I do, for example. Uh, and then on the flip side, there obviously everyone that has uh, received a like from Sumner or Cody has a horrible ratio in that regard because they don't really post much or like many posts. Um, but the the first real one between active group me contributors is myself with Matt. And I've only liked 1% of, of Matt's posts in the group me. So out of all the love that Matt is not getting, you are the primary. <laughs> I'd like to make it known that I, I offer the least. Uh, and then a similar thing is true of, of Zach and myself, or myself to Zach. Uh, but then it really is just a list of each individual member in their relationship to Matt. So I think that we could make it a point as a group to just offer more likes to to Matt, you know? Yeah, that's good. Uh, we've talked about becoming an official entity, and if we do any charity work in the future, I think starting off with likes for Matt is, is a good place to start. I think that's a great idea. The last category in the group me before we talk briefly about the bot from this past week, uh, this is called It's All About the Ratio, and this is the real ratio. This is number of posts to likes. doesn't matter who liked it, it's just your individual ratio. And Sumner is batting 6,000. It's truly remarkable. Everything he sends is gold, or at least perceived as such. At this point, I think it's hard to separate the two. Um, Sean has... So I said earlier that he hasn't sent a ton of messages, but he's averaging just over two likes per message. So that's pretty strong as well. Um, and then the only person that actually averages less than one like per message, I think you might know who this is based on some of the <laughs> other uh, group me metrics, but is Matt, who his ratio is about 0.83. Um, so there's definitely an inverse relationship going on in some ways between the number of messages that you send. Obviously, the more you send, the harder it's going to be to keep up that ratio. I'm pretty proud to be right in the middle here with almost a two because of how many messages I send. And Seth is just over one. 
Um, so really strong stuff there, guys. Just keep up, keep up the likes. Keep it up. And you mentioned the bot. So this this was kind of a, a big event in the league this past week of some league members changing their name and avatar mm-hmm. to to resemble other members, creating these lookalikes and a little bit of chaos, a little bit of confusion, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of trolling going on. Yeah, and anyone that knows me knows how much I hate identity theft. It's really just the bane of our society. It might be the single most pressing matter that we need to address. Like if you were running for public office, you might run on a platform of cracking down on identity theft. Yeah, and so so I looked at this earlier in the year because I'm generally interested in programming and in using the like backend interfaces to these different applications to see what kind of cool stuff can be done. And initially that was really fruitful in the group me because I basically download every message that has ever been sent and then run like text analyses on it and do all of these aggregations to get counts so we can see what engagement looks like. But one of the other things that I kind of uncovered is that GroupMe allows you um, to basically set up these bots that will do listening in a message for a specific um, like phrase or sequence of words or um, a specific sender ID. And so I had the idea with, uh, with Sean specifically, or I guess with Travis initially, to set this up so that every time Travis would send a message, it would um, basically return a response that identified him as the real Travis. Um, the, the problem with this is that everything that I had built in the group me initially was just based around people's names. And so I had to totally reconfigure it to account for the fact that Sean was spoofing names and that we had to use this like underlying metadata to get to it. Um, so I, I created the bot. There are a few different iterations on it. I actually tested it out in another group before I, I started to spam our group because the first, the first two or three times I kicked this program off, it just got out of control and would see a message and just like one after the other infinitely send responses to it. Huh. And I didn't want you guys to be subject to that. Right. Um, you know, it's not very polished. And so did a few trial runs and then kicked it off. The downside is that GroupMe isn't going to pay to host this like application always running on their servers. And so I, I started this on my work computer and it basically would just, it would only respond as long as my computer was on and the program was active. Um, and I guess on that one particular <laughs> evening, I didn't shut down my computer and it, it kept rolling, which allowed for everything Travis said in the evening to be greeted with that response. Um, which was great. And I attributed to you doing that intentionally. You're saying you left your computer on accidentally. <laughs> it was, I mean, I, I would have loved to have a way to have this running all the time. But the fact that that actually happened on that specific evening was accidental. That's awesome. So, yeah, I'm excited for the future potential there. I've got some ideas for how we could just add in. For those of you that have used Slack before, it's basically like a Slack bot feature where the next time Travis says something, I'll have it shoot out a random Travis quote, like perceived value or positive as relative. The things that really get under his skin, yeah, I think, would be the most ideal. <laughs> so that's, the, that's all I have for the group me. For this episode, but a, a nice little refresher on 
where you all stand. Seth, keep sending those messages. You've been kind of dark lately. And keep sending the love, especially to Matt. Matt needs more love. Uh, what else do you have for us? So this is a more true Caleb's Corner. This is specific to our actual Yahoo fantasy football stats and insights. So I've been thinking a lot about Matt and his strategy of, of churning the bench and wondering if other league members are carrying a similar strategy without being as, as public or maybe as ridiculous about it, just thinking about the, the various Quincy debacles um, of past. And so what I did is I, I pulled down every player that has been on every roster in our league this year to see uh, basically what the, the count of unique players per team is. And I was surprised to find that Drew and Zach have actually owned more players than Matt. So they've each owned 54 uh, to Matt's 53. On the the flip side, Steven and Robert have only rostered 24 individuals this year. So I think it's, I mean, we, I'm, I've rostered 32. It's, it's fairly consistent with uh, the different playing styles that we've seen and, and also with the strategies people employ when they are doing poorly and need to make changes. Right. Like we've talked about with Drew, I think a lot of his is predicated by injuries. Right. He so, has to make these changes. It's not a not this, like fantasy with having more and more right. players. Uh, and I, I think the same is sort of true of Zach as well. And Matt and Matt and Seth are the the next ones below them and are kind of anomalous in that their teams have been pretty solid for most of the year and they're still kind of churning to find that right combination for the playoffs. The next thing that I looked at that's very related to that is of those unique players that were rostered, how many of those were actually started for each individual team? Mm-hmm. And I think that starts to get to specifically the churn the bench mindset. Um, it explains Drew's style a little bit more. He actually leads. He started 36 different players this year. Right. So kind of validating the injury hypothesis. Seth has started 34 different, which is the next most, which is, is pretty interesting. Um, some of that is, I guess, trade-driven, um, but fairly unique there. And then uh, at the bottom of that list, again, are Robert and Steven with 22 and 23. So basically everyone they've rostered, they've pretty much started at some point in the season. Um, so they're probably our, I guess, our most efficient roster users. I looked at, there's been a lot of talk this year and last year about um, who's leaving the most points on the bench, uh, just things of that nature. And so I pulled down, uh, or I ranked the bench points by player and was able to confirm what Sean sort of vented about in the group me a couple weeks ago, that he's basically always wrong on whether to start Deshaun Watson or, or Kirk Cousins. And so two of the, the top six of points left on the bench are on Sean's team. It's basically one of those two quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, and then a similar story with Steven with Roethlisberger and Luck. Uh, he has two in the top six as well. And same idea. One of those guys is going to be on the bench and is going to put up points. Um, which it's, I think that there's a further analysis opportunity here, but I would be interested to... To see if we could quantify maybe the the impact of rostering two quarterbacks that are putting up big numbers instead of trying to, to trade one of those for a 
a different position asset. Um, Steven's team is is really frightening uh, in the sense that the next thing that I looked at is the number of points left on the bench by team. Uh, and this is kind of a, I don't know if this is as much a, a measure of skill or just sort of luck or somewhere in between the two where uh, if you have a really good team of starters and good bench players, you're going to leave points on the bench, but that's just a necessary evil. And I think that's the case for Steven. Uh, he and Seth are one and two in that category of most points left on the bench. And Seth has left just over 600 on the bench, and Steven has left just under 600. Uh, below them, it's Drew, Robert, Cody, and then Sean. So the spread of this is is not particularly large in the, the, the middle, but towards the ends, it gets really wide. So I've only left 350 points on the bench. You've only left 370 on the bench, Jamie. Um, so I don't think that that speaks to the talent of our starters as much as it is the, the potential mediocrity of our benches, but interesting nonetheless. Yeah, I left a solid 20-plus on the bench against Sean a couple weeks ago, and I would have made the difference. So I've definitely left a few points on the bench this year that have hurt. I think that that, and that number, those numbers that I just quoted are really just going to be heavily dependent on quarterbacks. And so I looked specifically at the, the players that you have had on the bench and left points there. And in order, uh, I mean, Corey Davis is far and away the, the top one in that list. And then it's Bortles, Drake, Watkins, Marius Thomas, Aguilar, John Ross, Aaron Jones, Shady, Josh Reynolds. So because you don't have a second elite quarterback on your bench in aggregate, you're not leaving as many points as some of these other guys are. Right. Um, but the, the challenge that I've had in working with this specific data <clears throat> is that the position in Yahoo's back end is, is tied to the, the player and how they were rostered on that given week. And so doing the roll-ups to say, like, yes, this is a quarterback, but they were on the bench for a certain week in order to do these filtering is a little bit more effort than I've wanted to put in so far. But a, another opportunity in the future would be to see, uh, basically, if we were to normalize this, so take true quarterbacks out of the equation, who is, who's making the wrong call on their basically like flex-eligible players. Right. So a couple more. This is uh, pressure situations. So I looked at the Yahoo projections for every game that we've ever had, uh, but focusing this on this year specifically, and assigned a flag for if Yahoo was right. So Yahoo projected the person to win, and they won. And that would be basically performing. Uh, Overperforming would be Yahoo projects a loss, and the person wins. Underperforming, the opposite. And so the, the pressure situations metric that I've created is uh, specific for overperformers. So this is people this year that uh, have been projected to lose and they've ended up winning. And you actually lead that category, Jamie, with five wins. So five times this year, Yahoo said, your team's garbage. <laughs> and you, you came out and you squeaked out a win, kind of like last week in our matchup. Yeah. Um, the... The opposite of this, and again, keep in mind that this metric is skewed too by teams that, or it, it in order to, to, to do strongly in this category, your team has to be projected to lose right. a lot. So at the bottom of this list are Steven and Sean, and, and I think that's not so much because they aren't uh, performing well as much as they've it is had, that they're just projected to win yeah, a lot. So they've had more opportunity. 
um, all time. So if we looked at this by season, in 2015, Seth overperformed nine times, which is a, a pretty, I don't know, that's a... That seems like a lot. Yeah. Nine times, the next most is seven, and that's happened a few times. Uh, so your five is good for this season, but all time is not really that that great. Uh, I looked at teams that have choked a lot this year, and so this is when you were projected to win and you lost. Uh, there's a three-way tie for first in this one. This is Sean, Travis, and Trey. I'm, I presume that for Trey, this was basically his first four weeks of the season. Um, and then on the, the bottom side of that is Cody, who has never, um, never lost when he was projected to win. The all-time record for that I hold for 2016. So in 2016, I choked six times, which was not the year that I finished in last. <laughs> the The last thing that I looked at, and we can wrap this up, is uh, another way to gauge Yahoo's accuracy. So we've talked in the past about how uh, most of the, I, I think I said in my first corner that most of the time Yahoo gets it right and then contributed an addendum to that where I said that uh, those are really averages. And so because Yahoo on average can be 30 points off either direction. in either direction, it sort of levels out to be zero. And so I, I falsely said that they are pretty darn close um, when the reality is that they're off by a lot, but they're consistently inconsistent. Um, positive is relative. So the other metric that I looked at for Yahoo Accuracy is just the number of times that they projected a win for a team and that team actually won versus the number of times that they did that and they were wrong. And Yahoo has gotten better at this every single year, uh, which is interesting and it is maybe a component of just their model sophistication. Right. Maybe these scores over time are getting better. Uh, in 2015, it was they were right 53% of the time, uh, which is not much better than a toss-up, and you could say that it's pretty meaningless. And then in 2018, so this season, they're actually right 61% of the time. Um, and then when, when Yahoo says you're going to win by 10-plus points, when that gap is more than 10, that number shoots up to 66%, which is, it's a, I would feel great about those odds, but the fact that it's only five percentage points from um, basically when they say you're going to win barely Mm -hmm. um, doesn't do much for me. So all that to say, if you look at your projections and Yahoo has you winning about 60% of the time, they're going to be right. That's really interesting. And it also makes me feel like most weeks I have a 3 out of 10 chance to win no matter what so I'm I'm projected to lose to Matt by like 25 this week so <laughs> I I would not spend the winner bracket money if I were you oh yeah no consolation buy that's what I'm fighting for yeah. <laughs> I've been there I was there as recently as two weeks ago <laughs> Anything else? Nothing from Caleb's Corner. Nothing from Caleb's Corner. Well, I think the people definitely wanted a Caleb's Corner, and I think this will will be exactly what they're looking for. Cool. Well, thanks for coming over on Friday morning. Thanks for having me. Appreciate having you back on the pod. 
really looking forward to that finalized stand update. Soon. And you know how we close it out here. Go fall on a well. Fall on a well. Cause baby, now we got down.